Well, this morning we start, as Sean told you, in the book of Matthew, and I'm really excited about the first chapter. We're looking at a genealogy that, that Matthew lays out, and it's interesting to me, this particular genealogy. By the way, the message title is The Unperfect Family Tree, or Imperfect Family Tree, or you could even put in the word crazy, or interesting family tree. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many of you have an interesting or imperfect, unperfect, however you want to put that, family tree. But Matthew starts with a genealogy. And understand something about Matthew. Matthew is or was a former tax collector. Now, you might not think that that's a big deal. Or that certainly, in our mindset today, that's a, a noble profession. But back in Matthew's day, it wasn't. Some of you say, no, it's not a noble profession. But... Uh, Matthew is Jewish, and he worked for Rome, and Rome was oppressive towards the Jewish people, and so uh, he was ostracized by the Jewish community, his brothers and sisters, Jews. Uh, he was spit upon. Not so much a promo for the, the Chosen series, but how many of you have seen any of the episodes of The Chosen? Raise your hand. I want to encourage you, if you haven't, to, to do that. You can do that at home or here on Sunday nights. But they, they portray Matthew in a very interesting light. Now, if I was part of the team that put the cast together at the beginning, I probably would not have picked that Matthew and, and his personality. Uh, but now watching the series, I would have been wrong not picking him or his personality because he's one of my favorite characters in the series. But the, the Chosen really portrays Matthew, I believe, in a... In this, in this one light of him being a tax collector, they do it appropriately, and I think it really uh, falls in line with what Scripture says about Matthew being a tax collector. People despised him. They spat upon him. He was not well-liked, and this is obviously prior to him uh, becoming a follower of Jesus. And so it's Matthew who is a Jew, and he's writing this, this letter to, to Jews about establishing who Jesus is. You know, the Jews still to this day are looking for the Messiah. And so Matthew addresses that. And he knows the importance of a family tree uh, to the Jews. And again, it's primarily written to the Jewish people. But it, Matthew's a continuation, and it's the first book of the New Testament, but it really is a continuation of the Old Testament in that genealogies were, and still to this day, are very important to the Jewish people. So we begin with Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 1. If you have your Bibles, open it up, the church app, open it up, uh, your smart device. I'm going through 17 scriptures, so I don't think I have them on the screen for you. We begin, verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and then Matthew begins this litany of names. It's like a family tree. Some of you have done Ancestry.com or you've done family genealogy and you've been very interested uh, and maybe even surprised about your family tree. And so Matthew continues, verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac. And Isaac the father of Jacob and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Or Tema, and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, 
and Ram the father of Aminadab. And um, just to stop and make a side note, when we closed out the book of Romans, we went through all 16 chapters. When we were at six, chapter 16, when Paul was listing a litany of individuals that he was thankful for, co-working with him in the ministry, a lot of unique na Greek names. And I was having some fun with you and trying to maybe encourage some of the mothers-to-be that uh, you might want to consider some of these interesting names. Well, here's one for you, Aminadab. Aminadab. And Aminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz. I like that name, Boaz. Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. Interesting. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. And Abijah, the father of Asaph. Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. There's a good name. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. And Joram, the father of Uzziah. And Uzziah, the father of Jotham. And Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. In verse 10, it says, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. So Matthew is breaking this down. You'll see in a minute what he's, what he's achieving. Starting in verse 12, and after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheltiel, and Sheltiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abud, and Abud the father of Elakim, and Elakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Elud, Elud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathen, and Mathen the father of Jacob. Here we go in verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ, who is the Christ. And then verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David, Matthew says, were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, another 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, where he ends this genealogy, it's 14 generations. So you know that royalty depends on hereditary or heredity, right? And it's important that Jesus... Uh, to be established by Matthew, because he's writing to the Jews, his rights to David's throne. He's from the seat of David, the Old Testament says the Messiah would be. So Matthew uh, gives Jesus' family tree, his genealogy, his human genealogy in the first 17 verses. And then he gives his divine genealogy in verses 18 through 25 know something that genealogies were important to the Jewish people of this day because every Jew should be able to trace their lineage to one of the 12 tribes 
of Israel. Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel. And that was important. But anyone claiming to be the son of David, and and if a Jew heard that term, the son of David, automatically they understood the implications in what was being said that that term in itself meant a reference to the Messiah, Mashiach. It's a Jewish way of saying, the Hebrew way of saying Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. The Greek way of saying it is what? It's Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. The Jews were waiting for the Messiah. And anybody who laid claim or was spoken to or directed with the verbiage of the son of David had to prove it. I mean, they had to prove it. That's a serious, serious claim. And so Matthew gives the Lord Jesus' family tree through his father, Joseph. Joseph, Mary and Joseph. Now keep in mind, Joseph in a sense, adopted Jesus because it was the Holy Spirit that allowed or made Mary conceive. So Joseph was the adopted father. It's interesting that Luke takes the same genealogy uh, application, but he goes through the line or lineage of Mary. Matthew goes through Joseph, Jesus' adopted father. And so however you look at it, you can see and come to the conclusion because of the line and heritage of Jesus that he, in fact, is the Messiah, the promised Messiah. And so I have a question for you. What an interesting way to start his letter, Matthew. Of course, the Gospel of John, John starts from the beginning, in the beginning was the word. And it sounds synonymous or very uh, much like the first book of the Bible in Genesis in the beginning. But Matthew starts with a genealogy. And and keep in mind, he's doing that for a number of reasons. Number one, it's to demonstrate Jesus to be the legal heir. Can you say legal heir? It's to demonstrate that Jesus is the legal heir to the throne of David. And so Matthew traces the roots of Jesus in order to prove that he's the promised Messiah. This was important. I mean, think about it. If you were alive during Jesus' day, Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah that the Jews have been waiting for. And many of the Jews saw him, witnessed him, saw him do miracles, but many did not believe in him. And you might think, wow, if I would have been there, I would have believed. I I hope so. But the Jews saw Jesus in the flesh, and, and most of them did not believe. And so Matthew traces this lineage to prove that he's the promised Messiah. And of course, at the time of the writing, Jesus had already died on the cross. He had rose from the grave and the church is blossoming. It's growing. I want you to know something that the Messiah, the coming Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, the Messiah was to be the son of or the seed of Abraham or from Abraham, as well as David. So the Messiah was to descend from both Abraham and King David. These are prophetic words in the Old Testament. If you go through the Old Testament, you'll know that that's the seed, that's the direction, or the path, rather, that the Messiah would come by. And so God gave to Abraham his seed, the Messiah, a a promise, the promise of blessings for the whole world. So through Father Abraham, you'll hear 
uh, Jewish people, devout Jews, referring to Abraham as Father Abraham. And from the seed of Abraham would would come a blessing, the Messiah. And that blessing would bless the world. Let me read to you Genesis 12, the first three verses. The Lord said to Abram, and this is before God changed Abram's name to Abraham. But listen to this. It's amazing. Leave your native country, God tells Abram. And this is, you'll see, the birth of the nation of Israel. Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I'll show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. You see that? I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families, here we go, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And that blessing is through the Messiah, Jesus. And certainly every family of the earth has the opportunity to be blessed by God through Jesus Christ. And so this is a blessing that was spoken of in the very first book of the Bible when God talked with Abram and told him to leave his family and and God would just bless him. See, part of the Abrahamic covenant, you see. Now, God gave to David in his seed also the Messiah. So I just explained to you in very concise fashion that it's through Abraham's seed that the Messiah would come. But also as well, David, through his seed, the Messiah, the promise of, of, listen to this, eternal government. Boy, we could use God's hand right now, right? And we see that in 2 Samuel 7, 12. It says, for when you die, God's talking to, to David. When you die and are buried with your ancestors, I, listen to this, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. This is a, a somewhat of a prophetic word, but it's a word from God himself to David that the Messiah would come from his seed. One of many words about the origins and how this lineage would come about. And so, listen, the Jews believed in these words. They believed in the Abrahamic covenant. They still do. They believed in the Davidic covenant. They, they still do. The Messiah would come through and descend from both. And, and the Jews believed the promises of God. Now, it depends on how you count, but some say there's anywhere from 7,000 to 8,000 promises in the Bible that we can be a recipient of. That's a lot of promises. And you might say, well, I, I want to know what those are, Pastor. Read the Bible. <laughs> Seven to 8,000 promises in the Bible. Read the Bible. Get to know them because you might not be living the best that God has for you, uh, just being unaware of what God has for you. So... We have Jesus descending from both Abraham, the seed of Abraham, the seed of David, the promised son of David. And uh, Jesus at many times in Scripture in the New Testament was referred to as the son of David. Now, anytime a Jew would hear that, the son of David, they'd know right away that the connection was that's a messianic title. You don't just throw those terms out. Oh, he's the son of David. That, everything would stop at that point, and everybody would look. It's like, what did you just say? Son of David. 
because that was a messianic title. And remember, they were waiting for the Messiah. They still, many of them, unsaved Jews, are still waiting for the Messiah to come. And here we have this title, the son of David. And just, just to give you a few, we find that title in reference to Jesus being stated in Matthew chapter 12, verse 23, Matthew chapter 15, verse 22, uh, Matthew chapter 20, 30 through 31, Matthew chapter 21, verse 9. We have uh, in, in verse 15, and then also in Acts chapter 2, 29 through 36, and then Romans chapter 1, we have that title in verse 3, and then 2 Timothy 2, 8, and then also the last book of the Bible, you have that title, Son of David, in reference to the Messiah found in Revelation 22, 16. Reason I rattle that off is so you know that Jesus is the Messiah, and he descend or seed from David as well as Abraham, and so the Jews longed for a Messiah to deliver Israel, and he came. And he's coming again. Jesus will be coming again. He'll be returning, and he's going to rapture his church like a thief in the night. So Matthew gives this genealogy to, to do a number of things. Um, remember, his audience is the Jews. He gives this genealogy to encourage believers who feel far from God. The suicide rate is higher now than it's ever been. Depression is higher now than it's ever been. Isolation, loneliness. Uh, you may feel far from God, and you need encouragement. Matthew uh, encourages us with this genealogy, and you might think it's just a list of names. It's just a litany of names, but it's encouraging when you find out who these people are. Every Jew was a descendant, every Jew at this time that we're studying, was a descendant of one of the sons of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. And during the time of Matthew's writing, Rome dominated the land. The Jews were being persecuted, and Rome had scattered the Jews all over the world. And so Matthew wished to encourage all of his Jewish brethren, to encourage them by assuring them that they were descendants of both Jacob's sons, and as such, they had a part in the true Messiah. It's a very encouraging letter. And in other words, they were to receive the promises made to Abraham. And you know, listen, and I alluded to this, sometimes believers feel scattered or abandoned. And I don't want anybody to raise their hand, but I wonder how many of you feel like, God, where are you? God, when are you going to show up? And when are you going to work through what I'm going through? When you, on a personal note, God, where are you? On a, on a corporate note, God, when are you going to straighten things out in the world? We're so divided. Lord, where are you? And so a lot of people are feeling frustrated and depressed and without purpose and without meaning and significance in life. A lot of folks are struggling with, with just being in a rut, feeling stuck, like you're not going anyplace. Well, for a long time we were told not to go anyplace, right? So these are, these are feelings that are natural extensions of what we've all been going through the last couple of years. This, this idea of being far away from God or God being far away from you 
And, and you know deep down in your heart that that's not true, that God is always with us. And Matthew's saying here, he's saying to everybody, to all believers uh, that are in line to receive the promise of God through Abraham and David. Now, God meets the follower of Christ right where we're at and, and, and fulfills his promises through his son in us. Here's what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. God's given us, through his divine power, everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great Listen to this, precious promises, great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. God sets us apart, unaffected by what's going on around us. We have victory through Christ Jesus. That's good news. Matthew gives this genealogy of Jesus Christ to show God's mercy. That's point number three today. And it's unusual to find at this time, when this was written, women's names in genealogical records. It was a male-dominated society. That's why I named the title of this message, The Unperfect or Imperfect, or you could say The Crazy Family Tree, because not only does it have uh, some savory men characters, it has some women characters in there too. Listen to this. Tamer was a seducer, an adulteress, whom God reached and ministered to, Genesis 38. Rahab was rejected by the Jews. She was a prostitute, uh, but she was saved by God's judgment because she turned in faith to God and the nation of Israel. You know, this isn't a Facebook profile. Jesus' genealogy is not a Facebook profile. You know what I'm talking about. I've counseled people who are just, they were crying because their life's not perfect by such and such and so and so on Facebook who appears to have a perfect life. But don't you know that anybody on Facebook can paint themselves out to be perfect, and a lot of people do? And I'd rather see that than you putting uh, all that other stuff on there, all right, that Pastor Steve doesn't really want to know about. But listen, Facebook, you can paint yourself out to be perfect, and, and, and Matthew, certainly, when he's going through this genealogy, he could have, like, well, let's not put Rahab's name in there. She was a prostitute. Yeah, that'll make Jesus look bad. No, he left it in. He left it in. And, and Ruth was a citizen of a nation that Israel hated, and yet, read the book of Ruth. It's an amazing book. God used her in a most profound and amazing way. And then Bathsheba deliberately sinned with David 
And so you have these interesting characters that are far from perfect in the lineage of, of Jesus. And that demonstrates to us God's mercy, that God can use anybody. And then you have Jacob. And I want to spend some more time with uh, this litany of names because I want you to understand something, that, that God can use anybody, that God's mercy extends to everyone. It's available. His mercies are new every morning. And God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. You don't have to come from a perfect pedigree. Jacob was a deceiver. Twelve tribes came from Jacob. And yet you read the story of Jacob and uh, how deceptive that whole thing. And it even carried back further to Abraham, some of the deception Abraham was part of. So you don't have any perfect characters or individuals in here. And, and there's no barriers to God's mercy. There are no barriers to God's mercy. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, we all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing. Can you say that? We all did it. Let's say it. We all did it. We all did it. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in his mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. God took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. And then it says, he did all of this on his own with no help from us. Yeah, God doesn't need your help. <laughs> then, then listen, listen. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Man, we are just passing through this place called earth. God has a heavenly home for us. Don't get so tied up, wrapped up into what's going on. God has a heavenly home for you and I. Amen. Yes, thank you. So Matthew gives this genealogy. To show God's mercy. And number four, God's grace is not inherited. We see that. We see that in this genealogy, this family tree. God's grace is, is not inherited. What does that mean? Well, there's both bad and good kings. There, let me say it this way there's both good and bad kings in Jesus' family tree. Here's a list of the, some, of, some of the good kings, Solomon, Asa, Jehoshaphat. They were good kings. Boy, it's quite depressing when you read through First and Second Kings and Chronicles. You see the couple of good kings and a whole lot of bad kings. And, you know, na the nation of Israel, they, God, we, we don't want to be ruled by you. We want to be like other nations that have kings and judges. We want to be like other nations. God said, all right, okay, all right, from your lips to my ears, you've got it. And so they had a, just one right after another of bad kings, a couple here and there, uh, good kings, Solomon, Asa, Jehoshaphat were good kings, here's a list of bad kings, Rehoboam, Abijah, Jehoram, and, and, and here's the point. Godliness and righteousness are not inherited because you would see a good king and that didn't pass on 
to their son or to the next one. It, it's not good, godliness and goodness and righteousness, it's not inherited. Every human being stands as an individual before God and is responsible for our own life and behavior, I may add. And so you may have godly parents or parents that were grown, grew you up in the church, but that doesn't necessarily make you godly or righteous. So God's grace is not inherited. I mean, praise God for godly parents and grandparents. And man, if you got a mom or a grandma praying for you, look out. God's going to get you. He'll, 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 he'll get your attention. And praise God for moms and, and dads and uh, grandparents that are praying for their children and their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. Don't stop interceding and praying for them. Amen? Number five, Matthew gives this genealogy to, de dem to demonstrate the power of God to keep his promises. Remember I told you seven to 8,000 promises in God's word. God's power is witnessed. Uh, when you read through the Old Testament into the New Testament, that he's constantly delivering his people through terrible times. I don't think we're in such a great time right now. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. He says, for our present troubles are small. And they won't last very long. Yet the, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And then John tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, he says this, for every child of God defeats this evil world. Do you hear that? Listen again, John tells us, for every child of God defeats this evil world. It doesn't say, you know, every other person, every other believer, or if you have a good day and you're walking with the Lord this day, you're going to have uh, victory over evil. It says, every child of God, every child of God. Can you say that? Every. That's, that's everybody. Every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. Say faith. faith. We achieve the victory in walking with Christ, having victory over trials and circumstances and troubles and difficult times through our faith in Christ, through a faith. And we can win the battle against the world. Excuse me. And who can win the battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Only, this is a promise. And it's ex, it really is an extension of the Abrahamic and Davidic covenant of promise that, that John tells us that we can have. It's only the children of God. It's only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believers, followers of Christ. And then I'm going to close with this. Matthew gives this genealogy to show the generations of spiritual history. We live in a day and age where, you know, they're rewriting history, they're changing history. But listen, we have in every society, every country, every civilization has both good and bad history. And they serve a purpose. Uh, certainly the bad history, the stuff that, is, the ugly things that have been done, 
you don't want to erase that because you don't want to repeat that. It's a reminder of how depraved human beings can be and the wrong decisions we can make in sin. But we see a spiritual history here in this genealogy. It's an amazing thing. And, and we see Matthew breaks it up in kind of three categories. The first period of Israel's history, it, it, it can symbolize God giving birth to Israel through Abraham and giving dominion uh, through David. And so we have that dominion. That word dominion means to take care of or control. God gave us the blessing when he created us to have dominion over all the animals and whatnot. And I'll read that in a second. And then the second period, the way that Matthew broke it into three parts is it symbolizes Israel losing that dominion, that taking care of business. They lost that and, and became enslaved because of God's judgment and their sin. And then the third period of Israel's history can symbolize Israel's triumph through the Messiah. It, it's kind of a picture of our life, isn't it? The way that, that Matthew broke this up into three, three segments, three parts, three dispensations. And, and so we see these historical periods, they can symbolize our spiritual journey as well. Man initially was born to rule as a king. Listen to this in Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27. God said, let us make man in our image. Wait a minute. I, I need to ask some. Is it okay if I read this? I didn't know if it was politically correct or not. I wanted to make sure I got permission. You know I'm being sarcastic. God said, let us make man in our image after our like likeness. I love the fact that it's plural there, indicating we see the Trinity right there in the first book of the Bible, Matthew, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image, in our, our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish. Now listen to this, dominion, taking care of, ruling over, in a good way, in a good way. Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female. And so we see God's purpose, and, and we see the blessing of dominion, taking care of. You know, in the Garden of Eden, there was, it was smooth sailing. It was beautiful until sin, sin entered. But man lost his right because of sin. He lost the right for dominion. Sin entered in Genesis 3, 16 through 19. But look what Paul says in Romans. Yes, I'm going back to Romans. Chapter 5, verse 12, look at what it says. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So, we've lost the blessings, we've lost the dominion, we've lost purpose, we've lost everything because sin entered in and it spread to everybody. God cannot allow sin into heaven. We're doomed. God cannot allow sin into heaven. So how do you get to heaven if we're all sinners? It's, our, it's in our tree. 
It's in our family tree. Our family tree is filled with a bunch of sinners. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. How can we go to heaven? You see, if we have sin and God will not allow sin into heaven, then there's no hope. There's no hope. And I love what Matthew's done here. He's given us a picture of imperfect people that you would say, oh, man, smite them. Let a lightning bolt hit that person. You know, you read some of the stories. It's like, oh, my gosh, how could they do that? But we could say the same thing when we're looking in the mirror. How could we do that? And Matthew beautifully lays out a picture. Don't you see it? Don't you see it of God's grace and mercy? Just in the first 17 verses in this genealogy, don't you see it that there is hope? There is hope. We're not doomed because God sent, listen to this, His Son to liberate us. Jesus said, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Free. It doesn't matter what man tries to mandate and, and, and tie you up. We as believers are free. Free indeed. And so God sent His Son to give us hope, to cleanse our sin to take our sin away so we have access to heaven. Bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for this beautiful, beautiful 17 verses that Matthew clearly demonstrates God's goodness of grace and mercy to us through a list of individuals who are far from perfect. Lord, we have hope in you. We have hope in you, God, because you love us. And you sent your son, Jesus, to give us life, to give us forgiveness, to give us eternal life. And we're so grateful for that. And Lord, I want to lift up anyone and everyone here that may or may not know you. God, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that doesn't have a, not a religion, but a relationship with you, Jesus, Lord, I pray today they give their heart to you, receive the forgiveness of sins that you've made available and enter into eternal life. They'll never die in heaven. Lord, if there are those here this morning or those listening who need to rededicate their life to you, today, today's the day to do it. I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you're going to receive Christ for the first time, receive forgiveness of sins, all the sins you've committed in the past, everything that you'll commit sinfully in the future, it's going to all be forgiven. That's what God's Word tells us. Or if you need to rededicate your life, I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me, wherever you're at, out in the courtyard, listening in the sanctuary, or on the radio, or online. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. I now ask you to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. <laughs> Would you all please stand to your feet? Now, if you prayed to receive Christ or you rededicated your life to the Lord,
there's two things, one of two things I'd like you to do. If you're here on campus, you can do either one of these. You can fill out a hard card. It's a connection card. On the back of that connection card, they're in the lobby, back on the, out in the uh, back lobby, sanctuary lobby, and as well as the courtyard patio. You'll see those uh, connection cards. On the back of that connection card, it says, My Next Steps. Please fill that out. I want to contact you and just encourage you. If you need a Bible, I want to give you a new believer's Bible. If you accepted Christ this morning and you need a new believer's Bible, you just need a Bible, let me know. I'm going to be up here available to talk to you. And if you're online watching us uh, this morning and you accepted Christ or rededicated your life to the Lord, and you can do this on campus as well, text the word PRAY to the word that you see on the screen. It's uh, 951-783-4277. Text the word PRAY. That's going to start a process where I want to encourage you. And I'm not going to pester you with text, but I want to encourage you and help you. And uh, so I want to just give you that opportunity to be encouraged. And then as well, I've got something else for you today. It's a little postcard. It's called uh, My Next Steps on the Back. Because uh, what do you do when you pray to receive Christ? What's the next thing you do? When you rededicate your life to the Lord, wh what's next? Well, I've listed three things that, that I think you ought to consider very seriously, and they're on the tables in the back. You can pick up those cards. We're going to worship the Lord. I look forward to being with you again next week as we go through the book of Matthew. God bless you.